We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast, a Blue Wire podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me this lovely Friday afternoon, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? Oh, I'm pretty good, James. I was uh, just striking out on a sneaker drop as we speak. And uh, <laughs> screw you, Nike app, as sneakers app, as you got me again. I don't know why I keep coming back to you, but I do. And they keep uh, anyway, dragging me back in. Despite <laughs> all of that, I am doing fantastic. All right. <laughs> I'm uh, sure there's a lot of people, to be honest, that could listen to this. And they'll, add, I mean, I imagine the comments will be like, we can relate, Sean. There's like therapy groups for people like us. You're a, a sneakerhead. How many pairs of shoes do you have, Sean? We're, well, we well, I ha- well, I'll be honest. I haven't counted. It's it's not as many as people would think. But um, uh, I also tend to stick to my. If you ever see me, I tend to stick to a everyday kind of beater uh, pair that I just don't wear a lot of the shoes that I have. I don't like to talk about it because it 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 spe- speaking the words out loud. I I admit it does sound ridiculous, but it's all right. Thousand? It's more, of, it's more of like a collection. No, it's nothing. Five hundred? Like no, no, nah, no, no. It's nothing. Like okay, that. so it's fine. I had a buddy Let's who worked say... with me. I had a buddy who worked with me at Copeland's, who is a super, super Jordan sneakerhead, and like well over a thousand pairs. And so, anytime the new Jordans would come out, they would actually send like three or four pairs. It depends on the shoe, like extras for him. Mm-hmm to the store. So he would get those. So at his parents' house for years, he had like a full fledged, like room full, like, so like from the floor to the ceiling, probably like from one wall to the next, 
and then probably like five rows deep. Like, yeah. and if he, so he would have a pair of the run that he might wear. And if he did ever wear them, he'd mark the box. So he knew that that, that that pair had been worn. And then when he was done, he would scrub them from top to bottom, put this stuffing back in the shoe, wrap them back up the way they are in the box and leave them in there. So, uh, he was in soul magazine. Um, like they did a whole thing on him and all of his Jordans at one point. So shout out to my guy, Corey Takahashi. There you go. There we go. Uh, welcome into the Kingsby podcast. Uh, there is hope that Brendan will join us. He's writing currently and trying to break mm. free and, uh, join us here on the podcast, but we have lots to talk about. It's been, um, I think it's been just about a week since we last spoke. Uh, here on the Kings Beat podcast. And in that time, the Kings have had some, a couple of wild wins, a really bad loss. It's kind of been a yo yo all over the board season. So uh, before we jump into that, uh, Sean and I are going to ask you to, if you're watching here on YouTube, give us a thumbs up if you don't mind. Uh, jump on board, become a subscriber here to uh, the Kings Beat YouTube channel. Uh, give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to podcasts. And then if you don't mind, uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber, so you get invites to everything that we do here at the King's Beat. Um, Sean, let's just, it, it's sort of a, a general, before we jump into like a specific game, but this week sort of highlights what we've seen all season from this team, and that is that they can beat the best of the best, and they're they're really good in those games. They're undefeated against the top six teams in the Western Conference and with them being one of those, so like five teams, teams like Minnesota, Denver, Dallas, OKC, the Lakers, they haven't lost any of those teams. But then it's the teams that are behind them in the standings that they don't seem to be able to not only beat, but really compete with. So they've lost a total of nine games. Those nine games have only come to four teams. So they've lost to the Pelicans three times, the Rockets twice. They've lost to the Clippers twice, both on back-to-backs. And then who else? Oh, the Warriors twice. Um, but it's this weird, like, all-over-the-board thing that, to me, is a bit jarring. And it's a bit, like, out of character from what we saw last year. But what are your thoughts on that specific issue it's not only that they are winning and losing in, in weird fashion, but there are plenty of games this season where I don't think they competed at all. And that's not something hmm. I remember thinking from last year. Well, I think um, what you're seeing is uh, a beginning of the season where it is very crucial to the Kings success that they get out to a, a good record and take advantage of early schedule games, just like last season. But the difference between the season and last season as they go through this journey, aside from kind of health, because obviously there's uh, there's some lingering injuries and some injuries and absences and things that, you know, have almost really plagued this team almost at every step of the way, every almost every game, I think, this season, they've, they've had something. So um, no clean, really clean bill of health, although, um, look, no one's going to feel sorry for you. And honestly, it could be a lot worse. You go through some of these injury reports from other teams and they're they're long. I mean, they're six, seven, eight players deep. So um, while the Kings have had their moments, uh, they're also pretty blessed overall to uh, still have a competitive product that they put out there. 
Um, I, I also just think James, like Mike Brown has harped on it all, all I'd say summer and, and training camp. And you're seeing it right now. You're not sneaking up on anybody. Um, teams have kind of figured out how to play you, rough you up, rough up your point guard, rough up your center. If you have personnel that's long and physical, the Kings struggle against things like that. Uh, the, the Kings also struggle against teams that like to push the pace, which is ironic because the Kings are the kind of the poster child of pushing the pace over the past year and a half or so. And um, they're not really keeping their foot on the gas in that department. And the other problem is you're living and dying by the three. So in games in which the Kings struggled to, to shoot from the perimeter, and all you have to do is look at uh, Monday night's game in Sacramento against Brooklyn, you set a franchise record with 25 threes, and then you follow that up with a clunker in LA and the Clippers. And certainly the second nights of back-to-backs and back-to-backs in general, the Kings have just looked pretty um, different. I'll say I, I, I do disagree with um, even Mike Brown's premise that, 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 that there's a, um, a lack of fire competitive nature. I feel like there is, I just feel like there's a lack of awareness when the three isn't going that you try something else. And I'll look back, you know, I'll look back to that Oklahoma city game, not the one that they just played the, last night, but the one in, in November and they didn't have deer and Fox in that game. And they went out there and they didn't, they couldn't, they weren't shooting the ball well at all, but then they started packing the paint and Damana Sabonis was fantastic in that game. And they found a way to win that game. And it was what De'Aaron Fox considered the Kings best defensive game of this early season. And he wasn't a part of it. So I think they pulled a lot from that game uh, and pulled that into obviously last night's contest against the Thunder. But I think, look, it's just the rigors of the NBA season. It's really, really hard to play at the, I mean, it's it's a team that struggles with consistency in general particularly on the defensive end. I think what's jarring is that, wow, they really are a team that would didn't struggle so much offensively last season are doing so this year. So I think there's a number of factors why, and I think a lot of it has to do with the adjustments on trying to be better defensively and trying to be better physically and asking players to do some things that they ordinarily wouldn't do um, or haven't done. But at the end of the day, you're 14 and nine. You've only lost to four opponents that you laid out. I think Kings fans and this team for everything that they've been through should be pretty elated by that. Um, even when it is a roller coaster of a season, some of these losses have looked bad, but you can, you can chalk it up to looking out of character. And I think uh, maybe the, the toughest part for fans and media alike, because we see a lot throughout what we do is everybody looking at the Kings and saying, boy, they sure look a lot like last year's team. And, and what I mean by that is, when they struggle with certain things, they really struggle with it here in 23-24 in season as well. So not seeing some of those things cleaned up or addressed leads people to really come up with some wild theories and wild thoughts and and say, boy, this is gonna be the same team that's gonna have that's gonna suffer a a playoff exit. I just tell everyone take a deep breath. There's a lot of season to go. MVPs and six mans of the year are not crowned in in December, as much as to the chagrin of I think what a lot of people are putting out there behind you and you have a team that's just going through this journey right now and uh, a lot can happen between now and the trade deadline uh, and it, some of which could mean this team catches fire but what did we talk about coming into this season this team could lose more games than last year and still be better situated to make a deeper playoff run that's I truly believe that uh, I truly believe this team is is going to be a factor at the trade deadline and I think they know what they uh, they know what they want so whether or not they can get it, we'll see. But 
so far so good. I think the Kings fans and, and media and, and, and the team themselves should be pretty, pretty happy with what's going on right now. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, they're better than they were last year at this time, like pacing record wise. And we had this, this issue, this weird thing last year where they couldn't get to five games over 500. They kept getting to four games over 500. And it was like, it was like nine or 10 attempts to get five games over and they kept falling back and not getting there. They already did that. They're, they're already there twice. I mean, this team is, is really their pacing to be much, much better than last season. And like the, a couple of things just to, they, I think they've already lost like 45, 46 games to injury on the season. Um, you know, I, I think Alex Lynn is up to like 13 games missed, 14 games missed. Uh, we saw Trey Lyles miss 13 games. We saw De'Aaron Fox miss five games. We saw Kevin Herter miss a game. We saw four games missed from Keegan Murray, plus like half of another game. Like there has been a lot of these hiccups along the way, even the illness thing. Like they had Duarte and Davion and um, I think Keon Ellis missed a game due to injury. So they, they, uh, they've had a bunch of like these little tiny things that have kind of stopped them from having their full arsenal. Uh, But like a lot of that to me, like is excuses, like some of these losses and the way that they lose them are like inexcusable. For if you want to be a great team, you can't have six, seven losses out of your first nine be by major double figures. Like with 10, they, they lost one by 10, but they've lost a bunch by, you know, 20 and, and 18 and, and even some bigger than that. And to me, that's where I don't like the letting the foot off the gas. And, you know, you talked about like the, the game against Brooklyn, which was spectacular, but you get to the next night against the Clippers and it really felt like like De'Aaron Fox came out firing he looked great and Demonis Sabonis was playing hard and Keegan Murray started getting it going but then Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes were just non-factors at all and next thing you know 40% of your starting lineup is like not even visible on the court and boom the game's over and they had no chance and you know I would they lose that game by like 18 or 20 that was a 40 point blowout that, you know, the Clippers and Kings kind of like came to an agreement going to the fourth quarter that neither one of them was going to continue playing their veterans or, or their starters or their second unit guys. So, yeah, I think there is a little bit of concern. I, I know it's early and I know that that's kind of the thing we we write off, but I think the resiliency of the team was like the hallmark of last season. And I don't see that resiliency as of right now. There, there are certain mm-hmm. moments where you see it, but sure. I see way too many times already where they just go, whoop, let go of the rope. Nope, this one's done. And just almost walk away from a game midway through. And you're just like kind of taking it back. And I know it can be a lot of different things, but it's just a characteristic that I don't think the Kings should. I think it's something they should try to clean up. Because I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, losing by six is, is fine. Losing by 22 is not multiple yeah, times. I mean, I get that, and, and and some of those can be difficult to sit through as a fan. But whether you lose by one or fifty, it's still just an L. You know what I mean? And that's that's the mentality an athlete yeah. will have, and that's what they should have. And again, it's there's there's games where they're going to get blitzed. There's, um, you know, Mike was, I think I think Mike had had it to his wits end last night in his pregame availability, talking about 
you know, even when they won the championship, they had games like what you're they're experiencing already, which is mm-hmm. double digit losses and games where they don't look like nearly the same team. And it just shows you how special some of those teams were that have only lost 12 games. You think of the 72 win bulls. You think about the warriors that, you know, even eclipse that it's just 73 and nine. Yeah. Right. And, and to see a team be able to, you know, go through and only have a handful of losses. It also makes, you know, a team that jumps out to a great start. You look at what Minnesota has done um, and maybe they're this year's Kings in a way where they're surprising some people. Um, but at the, regardless, it's it's just a it, it's a lesson where I feel like there needs to be a recognizability of where you in the moment are saying something's not working. You need to adjust. Um, it's one of those shooter. It, you have a shooter mentality with all these shooters on the team, and it's like you're going to shoot your way out of a slump. And the shooter should feel that way, sure. But I think a coach it's up to a coaching staff to adjust and say, "Hey, look at our record when we score 50 points or more in the paint." Like it's incredible. And certainly you're capable of doing that. You have a point guard who can get to his spots at anywhere in the key. Uh, free yeah, throw two extended. Of them. Right. And, and Demonis Sabonis, who, you know, he was so, so good in the, in the six game streak, uh, win streak that is. And I think he's been really steady. Um, you know, we're always, I'm on my end, I'm always asking for more from him because of just how talented he is. But um, Darren Fox brings up a great point last night, which is, you know, a lot of these times he, what he does is taken for granted Um, his ability to get rebounds and double doubles and, and all that, like the numbers are there. Um, Certainly you can see flaws in certain teams and some of the, 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 the rough housing that goes on, but I, that's by design. I mean, these teams are coming in here and they're trying to punch first and they're trying to set the tone. And it's unfortunate that one of the glaring um, really absences on this Kings team is that they don't have the ability to do that. They don't have a lot of players that, that are able to do that. And so, uh, and, and the ones that are don't really factor much into the regular equation because of you've got more talent uh, in other areas around them. So it, it's something that needs to be addressed for sure. But it, how do you, withstand that and how do you endure it because you're looking at Darren fox and he's that dude's taking a beating like it had me thinking mm-hmm. last night james after the game actually it was during the game and even after the game is comparatively to where he was when he came into the league obviously he's this really skinny kid who runs really fast and um wasn't really getting into the paint nearly as much as he is as he has in recent seasons but you can see even three seasons ago when he really started making a focal point of driving to the hoop and getting into the, into the lane and the contact he would get, you know, famously he wouldn't get calls. Um, you could argue he still doesn't get a lot of those calls. Uh, but in my mind, he's taking much more of a beating now with his body, even uh, more developed and matured and, and all these things as a grown man compared to what he was as that, as that kid. And it feels like he's really, kind of taking a Sabonis-esque type beating every single night. Um, I might be off on that because maybe the last few times that I've seen him play in person, we've seen him get hit in the wrist. He's got a shoulder thing last night. Um, You know, the way he walks sometimes can look like an old man at times or look like something you or I would walk with a certain gait that way. And it's uh, it it makes me wonder just how much contact he's absorbing and and, and how – how well he can wear that going forward, especially as this season unfolds without maybe getting some help around him to take some of that abuse off of him. 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, he has taken a beating this year. I also found it really interesting. Like Sean and I were sitting there watching the, the Oklahoma city thunder versus Sacramento Kings game. And it was a great game. And, um, like James, I think, we had, we had human, we had human hungry, hungry hippo. That was amazing. That was, that was wild. the best thing about last night game. And was, some of those people were like, they were violent. They were swinging their <laughs> hungry, hungry hippo box at other people. It was very strange. Sorry, uh, yeah, but, I know that's a but, total total pivot, but that was amazing. I just I knew if I didn't say something about that last night, I was going to lose it. Credit to the Kings game night staff because those that was fantastic. I thought that was fantastic. I also thought, um, like, hat tip to the Kings fans who booed every time Josh Giddy touched the ball. Um, yeah. I guess that hasn't been happening in every arena, but it's happened a few times, and it definitely threw him off early on. Uh, he he sort of I, I think in the third quarter got used to it and kind of stepped up into it, uh, you know, and, and, you know, looked more like the player that we've seen. Uh, but he's got some off court stuff uh, that is basically in California uh, that, you know, who knows how that's going to all play out. And, you know, we'll wait for, to see how it does play out because I know like courts may be involved at this point. There's certainly an investigation and all that stuff. Um, but I, I uh, will, I will say to that point, James, he hadn't yeah. played in California. He hadn't, since all this stuff had come out in this investigation with, yeah, uh, uh, we, get, we can just leave it at that. I don't really want to talk about it, but uh, yeah, yeah he either. hadn't, he hadn't played in California. He, he, they had played the warriors two nights ago, but that was in OKC. So yeah, he hadn't made a return trip to California yet. Well, he heard it from the Kings fans. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. and I think initially people didn't understand what was going on, but then it started to grow. And then once people caught on that they were booing Giddy specifically. Then it became the entire arena booing Giddy. Uh, and it's a really tough thing because like I, in pregame, there was like a family of four sitting on the baseline with two young boys holding up Josh Giddy signs. And like there, so there's a dynamic here that I, you know, I don't know how the league is going to have to deal with all this. The league is stuck with a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know how they deal with. I mean, it, they've got John Morant coming back. In the next couple of days, he had his press conference today, which wasn't very impressive. Uh, he dipped, ducked, and dodged more than a few questions about what he's been doing to get himself in a better place where he stops making gigantic mistakes with firearms. Um, so there, there was that. Uh, you got the Draymond Green situation. There, There is a lot going on in the league right now. And Josh Giddy is like right there at the forefront. So... Uh, I, I just say, like, shout out to Kings fans for um, for being noisy, and, and I I understand it, and you know we'll have to see how the whole thing plays out, but uh, definitely a weird one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But I think the point I was getting to, Sean, is that uh, we watched De'Aaron Fox go in there and, you know, does he talk to the officials a little bit too much? Uh, maybe. And lately it's been a little bit more. Um, but he's trying to fight for his place as an elite scorer and the respect that comes with that. And we're starting to see him get up to eight or nine free throw attempts per game. But then you go into a game where... There's a guy like Shea who's extremely talented. Don't let me like get that wrong at all. He's extremely talented and he's very good. I mean, he's like Joe, uh, like I saw Joe part two. Like he really just plays the game a lot like Joe Johnson did. Um, but it's the foul calls that he gets versus the foul calls that De'Aaron gets. And Darren De'Aaron's out there going like full speed, running at the rim and getting, you know, hit by guys and bumped into and taking spills. And then on the other end, you have a guy like Shea who someone sneezes on him uh, and you get touch fouls. And it's like all game long, you're getting touch fouls uh, against him. And he ends up with like 18 free throw attempts. Um, and and so, first of all, kudos to De'Aaron for not being that guy because I don't want to watch that guy play. That That's really hard to watch. I don't want to watch that style of basketball. Um, I know Kevin Martin is like one of the guys who made like getting to the free throw line famous uh, by little herky jerky moves. But at this point, like Shea is a really good player. And I feel like a lot of what he does is unnecessary. Like you're just really good. Just do your thing and don't just try to get a foul call every single time. But I guess it's the way the world is uh, the NBA world that is. Um, but it's sort of my way of saying that I really appreciate De'Aaron Fox where sure he's snarky with the officials and he wants more foul calls than he gets, but his foul calls are legitimate. They are, they're in the flow of, of a basketball game. They're him attacking the rim, him attacking the paint. And like, I appreciate the fact that he's not um, just out there, you know, I, I don't just being trying to get a foul on every single moment of every single game. Uh, I don't know. I, I know uh, Sean, go ahead. I'll say yeah, I mean, he he. When he gets into the lane, certainly he's no different than Shea. He, he's trying to sell a call as well, but of course he has a he has incredible dexterity 
um, especially for someone who's going into the trees, if you know what I mean. Like you got some mm-hmm. big dudes down there, and he has a really amazing way of controlling his body. Um, and look, he yeah, he got certainly frustrated. I, I think he was, you know, really upset at the fact that especially one specific play in the fourth quarter was deemed marginal contact. And I think he had a hard time with the whole, how are we calling certain contact marginal and how certain contact doesn't matter, but other contact does. And so much so that even after the win, after he hugged Shea Gilgis Alexander, his Kentucky brethren, uh, he went right back to Tyler Ford and uh, the referee to try to, you know, have a conversation. And it was very civil. It was, it was, um, just two dudes talking and it wasn't like it was this huge disagreement they they you know had a moment there and um it, it was uh but he he's trying to understand like what what they mean by marginal contact how he's being officiated um and obviously the beating that he had taken so um yeah it's it, it's one of the reasons why i posed the question about him kind of taking the beating and how much he can take going forward uh through the through the season because um you know, the way he's playing right now is is a way where, you know, teams focus on him. They want to rough him up. And it's it's a little different than, in my mind, than years before because uh, I feel like, you know, the Kings were just so much non-factors, really. And uh, last year, you know, I think Domas was such a huge pivotal piece to their success that um, he was the guy that kind of took the the brunt of it. But now I think that's shifting quite a bit. And now it feels like he's almost being targeted more. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully he holds up. Uh, he does have a, a right shoulder issue coming out of that game. Um, they tried to downplay it in post game, but like we'll see on the injury. Well, report. he did. He did yeah. for sure. Yeah. We'll see on the injury report what it says and if he's questionable or uh, or or anything for tomorrow's game. Oh, what do we got? Utah Some, Jazz. Utah Jazz. Yeah, tomorrow. Utah. Some, something to look at, though. I mean, that right shoulder, and I don't know if any... I, I, I had pulled it. I don't have it on this computer that I'm at right now, but uh, I didn't share it out last night, um, but I did go back super late last night and, and look at that play again, where at least he visibly, like, physically grabs his shoulder. And a few possessions later, it's only like two minutes. I think it happened right around the 221 mark, something like that. And then a few possessions later, he's coming off the floor uh, back to the bench. And, um, the you know, he's kind of limping. He's got kind of a walk to him. But I think they, he asked to come out at yeah, that point. All, all his teammates come up and, you know, they're giving him high fives as anybody does when they're coming to the bench. And he's using his left hand. The, the right the right arm is, is it's all it kind of reminded me of like a dislocated shoulder where you don't want to move mm. the arm or you want to at least hold it up like this. He's just let it hang. And he's not moving it at all. And he's just high-fiving with his with his left hand. Uh, and then he goes and sits back down on the bench. Then he comes back out and he can use his right arm fine. Like he's he's still dribbling with it. He's making motions with it. He's making passes with it. Um, so at certain points, you wouldn't even know anything's wrong. So definitely something worth the monitor as they go into Saturday against uh, against Utah for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely something to look at. And just to, to the one play that Sean was talking about, the foul call, that it was an overturned call that was an egregious mistake by the officials. Even after the fact, I, I, I believe it is weird to say, I believe I was a pool reporter last night. And if someone would have asked about that call, I would have had to go on and ask. And I don't know, like there's marginal contact. It, it totally changed his speed and balance. Like it's the basic tenets of what a foul is. 
if you get in the way of a player and you cause them, you know, any interruption and their speed and balance, then it's a foul. And he clearly gets hit in the chest. And then you can, it looked like he was fouled. Well, there was one clean block, but the other did not look like there was another player. There's three. And I, I don't know how you overturn that call. Like if it wasn't called, that's one thing. And Mike Brown, his, oh my goodness, that's a whole other story. Like his decision to try to challenge something that was not challengeable and then have the ref say it's not challengeable and then say, no, you have to look at it for this. That was just such a, such a mistake. And it could have come back to hurt the Kings later. Um, anyway. Yeah. Just kind of a weird night uh, overall, like with fouls. A lot, a lot of, a lot of his challenges, by the way, are emotional challenges. Like he talked about yeah. how he, he deserved to be on Shacked and a Fool and he's almost like campaigning for his own candidacy to, to be there. But uh, he there are a lot of times he looks at the bench and waits. But there are moments this season especially where he's like, nah, nah, review it. <laughs> and and they come out of emotion or it comes out of a player's emotion. And, and that's the or frustration. Oh, wrong time. Yeah, you don't do frustration emotion challenges you 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 wait to see if your staff truly believes that there's something warranted there yeah and i think we're back to the point where i believe personally mike brown probably needs to do what happened in toronto last year and either get thrown out or pick up a tech because like if you feel the disparity in officiating like the the kings were feeling in that game like you could see the frustration level at some point, you got to step up and protect your guy because the last thing you needed was De'Aaron Fox getting thrown out of that game. And De'Aaron Fox right. almost got thrown out like four times. So he well, picked I think up the, the tech, but then there was multiple times after that where he went out an official or he said a snarky comment to an official walking back to the other end. And like sometimes the coach has to step up and take one for the team there. I'm with you most cases. And, and I thought about that last night um, because I thought there would the De'Aaron didn't quite get to Draymond status in terms of almost getting thrown out, but certainly by his, uh, you know, relative emotional state, I thought, oh, is he going to get another technical? I mean, he's he was chirping, especially after he scored again on the other end. Um, thought about that. Thought about what would have another technical? What would have happened? Or even if Mike had gotten a technical and added a second technical to the resume to the sheet. Um, thought that if that had happened, I think that could have honestly given OKC life. So hmm. in that circumstance, I was kind of glad it didn't. But you're absolutely right. There are moments throughout the season, especially where sometimes that can go a long way and not only breaking up, it's almost like a mini timeout too. Like you can vent some frustration, you can get a point across, your team might rally around it maybe. But in, in any case, it can tend to break up some of the, the, the flow of the game and and kind of create a mini timeout and might be a little bit more effective than trying to challenge some call that is coming out of emotion or frustration. I hear you. Um, okay, I, I'm going to take two seconds of your time here to talk about Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks sponsors the the Kings Beat podcast. It's a super fun and exciting way to just add something different to your game watching experience. Uh, I don't take it all too serious. We have a good time as a media group joking around about prize picks and about our selections for the night and talking trash. There's one or two guys that like start to freak out a little bit of meltdown in the middle of a game here and there. Uh, but it, it's a good time. Um, 
cool thing right now they have going on is all kinds of promos for the holiday season. So uh, check your prize picks, jump on board. There's a link in the description uh, down below here on YouTube and in the Kingsbeat newsletter. Uh, you can go check it out. It's a good time. I've had a great time with it. I'm not very good at it, and it's mainly because I've been doing like six picks, and that's probably not my best move. Um, but, you know, I, it's also I think I'm a little bit too positive most times, uh, and, and that usually kills me because I always choose more. Um, you did well so, last night, yeah. You did well though, right? Oh last no, night? I I think I did horrible oh, no. last night. I don't <laughs> think I did anything right last night. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, I I would have to look, but I, I don't think I did. <laughs> no, I I don't think nope, so. Checking Sean. the sheet didn't do well. Okay. So again, no. I, it seems, James is your north star. He posts his picks, and you do the opposite. I would agree. So I had uh, Keegan Murray um, getting more than six and a half three point attempts. He finished with three. I had Kevin Herter getting more than 13 and a half points and rebounds combined. Whoops. He had six. I had Malik Monk <laughs> less than 20.5 points and assists. He finished with 27. Uh, I had a fantasy score of Domas, uh, Domanis Sabonis of 47. He finished with 45.7. So I did okay there. I had De'Aaron Fox with less than three and a half turnovers. He ended up with five, and I actually think the official number is six. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a, it was choppy. Not gotcha. good, not good. Uh, but either way, it's fun. I'm having a good time with yeah. it. Um, you don't have to sit there and throw a whole bunch of money and, and go crazy, but it certainly it, it adds to your your viewing you know at least for me it's it, it is a lot of fun so uh if you so choose give prize picks a, an opportunity uh of all the dfs stuff uh, i think that it's as good as anybody that's out there and it's a lot of fun so um sean let's get back to a couple of things here um we talked a little bit about the jekyll and hyde uh you know the good games the bad games you think that's okay for this team to have like some weird anomalies early in the season where, you know, they aren't just perfect and they aren't just robots and they show like major flaws that they can work on. <laughs> uh, I guess now's as good a time as any to kind of go through that. I, I always talk about how, and I don't look, I don't think this is the case necessarily with the Kings because we just talked about the record. I think everything is fine, but when you do have some of these ebbs and flows, um, typically it's more uh, in line with what you see with 500 basketball. One night you're great, one night you're bad, and the inconsistencies of such, but you're good enough to sometimes keep your head right around 500 or even slightly above. I think the Kings are better than a 500 basketball team, even if their record didn't indicate it right now. Um, you know, what I, what I think is that right now is, is we, I kind of outlined it in the beginning. I think it kind of just goes back to that. There's been such a focus on defense and trying to get better, you know, and, and not use the whole, you know, really smoke and mirrors of, of getting by with just scoring and at a high pace and just kind of using that and being content with that and being content with being beat or just being a bad defensive team. Because, you know, if you can improve just slightly in the defensive category, all the while keeping that identity, it could really go a long way into the success. So I think it's just the nature of the NBA season, to be honest. And 
you just feel like at any moment, maybe it is with this this homestand because obviously you've got a ton of home games in uh, this span, and uh, I think the schedule is going to kind of work to your favor and, and to the Kings' favor, and hopefully they can they can uh, jump out on it and take advantage of it because it'll get harder obviously as you get into the winter months, but right now is is the time to kind of capitalize, and if they can do that and really kind of build that equity, um, they'll benefit from it. Yeah. Um, they didn't start building equity. It's a good way to put it until like a lot later than this last year. So I, I actually think that the Kings are primed to have a really good run here, especially, you know, Utah as a team that struggled, um, you, they can beat anybody on any given night, but, sure. um, then they get Washington and that's a team that like talk about one of the, the biggest jokes in the NBA. Like I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. They're just not serious. They're not serious and they have not in serious players. And, uh, you know, like, I think the, the folks out there are still wondering, you know, like why the Kings didn't go out and, and sign Kyle Kuzma. Uh, number one, Kyle Kuzma chose to go back to a team where he knew they were going to be bad. And it shows you everything you need to know about him as whether he's a winner or not. Um, but also like, don't look at his stats. His stats are, are garbage. You know, it's like looking at, I don't know, Rodney McRae's stats with the Sacramento Kings in the early 90s and Ooh. thinking that that's, you know, not to knock Rodney, but he was never a 20-point per, ba- per game guy, and then he gets to Sacramento. Him and Antoine Carr, those weren't 20-point-per-game guys, but they were in Sacramento because somebody has to score on a bad team. And so Kyle Kuzma realistically should be averaging 35 a game because they're that bad. And I don't know who else is taking shots there outside of Jordan Poole, but that thing's a mess. Um, so we'll see Washington, but the homestand itself, like I think there, isn't there a Minnesota game? Like there's some, there's some difficulty here. You got uh, the right. jazz, the wizards, then you got Boston, you got the Suns, you got the Timberwolves to finish it. And then you have one of the strangest three game road trips I've ever seen where you go, Portland, Atlanta, Memphis. So three time zones and it's over like, like, a long well seven day period out yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of days in between yeah so you've got uh again you've got portland on the 26th so the kings have to fly out on christmas day uh then you don't play until the 29th then you play the 31st and then you're back at home on the first for the hornets uh the magic the raptors and the pelicans for the final time um so the kings play uh what is it counting yesterday's game 10 of 13 at home. And so you do have an opportunity to get like gain some traction. And then even when you do take off on a road trip, it starts off with the Pistons and the Hornets and the Pistons are one of the all time worst teams, like watching the Pistons play right now. Yeah. Uh, they haven't won yet. Right. Are they still 20. They, they have not, they have not snapped their, uh, they're they're losing skid no they have it they have been two and one. they've got it's a 21 game losing streak officially uh they are 2 and 22 on the season washington who you mentioned just a moment ago uh lost, losers of six straight they are 3 and 20 as we head into friday and san antonio or san antonio san antonio is just as bad losers of 18 straight uh but they are 3 and 20 on the season yeah, that's and, not great. And, ru- and rumored to be in the mix for Bull Bull. Can you imagine? That? I kind of want that to happen because I feel like him and Wembenyama is like this 
these oh. intriguing twin towers would be like must see TV. I like still think Mominyama. Yeah, I think he, I still think he's must see TV. I love watching him play. Uh, he's kind of going through it, obviously, with with just a struggle in, in San Antonio. But he's he's a lot of fun to watch. I think he is, too. Uh, it's just a matter of time before that team starts to. I mean, it's not this year for sure, no, but like no. it, it, he's not going to be a bad player. Uh, and I mean, even still, he's averaging 19.3 points, 10.7 rebounds, 2.5 assists, three blocks and 1.3 steals. Like nobody needs to cry for Victor Wimanyama. He is very inefficient from the field, uh, 43.7 and 27.4 from three. Uh, but well, kind like of a you mess. said, someone's got to score on a bad team, uh, you know, and again, he's going to get all the opportunity. So go out there and just do it all and yeah, you know, get, get better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, let's let's touch on a couple of things quickly. Um uh, number one, the King signed uh GTA. Juan Toscano, Juan Toscano Anderson. Uh, to a uh, since you my, broke up there, Juan Toscano Anderson. Just in case oh, yeah. the listener, yeah, it's okay. Okay, Juan Toscano Anderson. Uh, yeah. From what I've heard, it's a non-guaranteed deal, uh, so the Kings retain their f- their roster flexibility through the trade deadline, basically. Um, but uh, Sean, I-, I think you and I have probably heard the same thing. This is a guy that Mike Brown wanted to bring in the whole time. No, yeah, I mean. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is a guy. I mean, first of all, this dude in the locker room is like adding. When you look at the whole concoction of recipe that that is the the chemistry in a locker room, he's a he's he's one of those um, uh, additions to the pie or to the cake or whatever analogy you want to use. That's like the sweetener because everyone likes it. <laughs> Every, everyone likes it. His addition to a locker room is contagious. It's it's great. It, um, it's it's exactly what you what you need. Not to say that this locker room needed this like, you know, this 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 addition in the locker room, but it's certainly uh, welcomed. It's a welcome addition because he does play hard. He does play tough. Perimeter defense is kind of what he hangs his hat on. 
Um, he can play physical. I don't think he's a great defensive player, but he certainly has things that he's known for. But he's a little older now, too. And I think he, he's played well in the G League. He was playing in Mexico City. And, uh, you know, it's a nice it's a nice opportunity to see if something can stick here, if there is something to be made. I think the tough part for some Kings fans who might just kind of, you know, yawn at the at the notion of adding somebody like him, it is adding another tertiary piece that isn't necessarily going to factor much into the overall um, relevance of their team and, and success of their team. But I would I would give you the example of Keon Ellis coming off of a career night the other night uh, against OKC and what he's been able to do to elevate into the into the rotation. And you're seeing him close games and earn the trust of his teammates. And it's been a really good feel good story, I think, for him and, and to see the the path of another G leaguer kind of making an impact in the NBA. And uh, it just goes to show you that anything can happen throughout the course of a season. So having that continuity with, with Mike Brown and somebody that he likes and thinks that, you know, I'm trying to, we, we, this is a three point shooting league. And if you can get perimeter defense, um, you, you go, you try and add that to your team. I don't know what it's going to look like yet and what, whether or not he'll factor into it, but certainly an opportunity here for him to return to the NBA. Yeah. Okay. So he's 30 years old, um, right. six foot six, two ten. Um, The thing that I like about Juan Toscano, and, and it's funny because you brought up, the uh the Keon Ellis thing, right? So I said this when they drafted Keon. Oh well not when they draft when they, they signed him right after the draft as a unrestricted free agent. And then like we've had this moment with him multiple times. The good thing about a guy like Keon Ellis is that who he was in high school is exactly who he was in college. And who he was in college is exactly who he was in the G League. And who he was in the G League, G League is exactly who he's proving out to be at the pro level. He is an exciting defensive player who battles through screens, who puts it all out there, who brings energy, and who can hit a three-point shot. He doesn't look to do other things. He doesn't try to push himself into some other weird box that he doesn't belong in. He's the same exact player every step of the way. And that's a really smart thing to do if if you're not a top tier athlete that's going to like be a top five pick. The rest of the guys in the league need to understand that they have to play a role. And whatever that role is, you need to figure it out. And then you need to play to that. And then you need to not do anything stupid added onto that. And this is what I mean. There's something sneaky. So, uh, you know, of course, Keon has his career night. Goes for 17 points. Spectacular. Uh, he shot five of six from three. And when he shot five of six from three, let me see what he's now shooting. Um, he's now at 39% from three. Now, here's something crazy about Keon Ellis on the season that I think people might speak to the point that I'm trying to make here. From two, from two-point range on the season, Keon Ellis is eight of nine from the field. He's shooting like 84% from two point range. And that's the fact that he's only taken nine shots means something. It means that he's not doing stupid things that he doesn't, that he shouldn't be doing. He's not turning the ball over. He's not doing, he's not doing crazy things that don't make sense. He's playing to his strengths, right? So that's why I would bring up Juan Toscano Anderson. I think this is a player who not only has played with Mike Brown, but he's played on great teams where he is not going to be anything but a bit part. And he knows how to fit in. 
He knows what his role is coming in. He plays to his strengths. He brings energy. He brings fire. He plays defense. It might not be the best thing you've ever seen, but it's where I would take him and compare him to Chris Duarte, who Chris is in his third year, but missed most of his second season. And you can see, see him still trying to figure out who he is on this team and what his, what he's supposed to be doing and what his role is and you know how many times he's supposed to dribble the ball and all these things. That's not going to be the, the case with Juan Toscano Anderson. He's going to come in and play a role. It's a role that he knows. It's a role that he played in high school. It's a role that he played in college. It's a role that he played for the Golden State Warriors. And if he can fill that role, then maybe he gets on the court more. Does that make and sense? The, and, and yeah. And to that point, though, and it's interesting because, you know, he was part of some really good warrior teams. But then if you look at where he went after that, you know, the the Lakers and then and then the, the Utah Jazz. I mean, he's not playing in nearly as many games. You know, he went three. He went two seasons where he's playing 53, 73 games with the Warriors in those in the 2021, 21, 22 season. And then he, you know, goes probably got he got some little bit of money, got someone to take a chance on him. And when he was with the Lakers, it was 30 games. And then with Utah, it was 22 games. So it hasn't really factored well with other, you know, you, there's never an analytic for chemistry. Some things just don't work. And I think I think the Kings are hopefully be, uh, betting on that, you no, know, he can maybe provide something. Let's see if there's any gas in the tank. Let's see if this is something that can bear out not only in practices, but potential in games as well. And uh, maybe you have something here, but again, with it not being guaranteed and kind of give you a little bit of roster flexibility as well as you approach the trade deadline, get a sample size of some games and some practices together to see what might work. And, you know, this team, like I said, we could look pretty different come first week of February. And if, uh, you know, you also have kind of Stanley Johnson, the guy who can do a lot, theoretically do some of the th same things almost, but more of a score from that wing position. And it, they're looking at wings, you know, and that's a, that's a good thing. They're doing it on the uh, flea market, but it's a, it's a way to address some, some absolute needs and try to uncover every stone. And, you know, I'll look back at you know, someone like Stanley Johnson, who's with, with, um, with the Stockton Kings right now, and so he helped LA uh, during a portion of you know a season ago. He's somebody that I thought that he could help the Kings for for getting getting them some help of what they needed. So um, you know I don't know that his career hasn't gone nearly the way I think it was projected to be. Obviously, but um, sometimes guys get humbled and play into a role and see what happens. And I think if there's anybody that understands roles, it's Juan Toscano Anderson and especially when you give him with somebody like Mike Brown, who's like, Nope, this is what you do. You know, he can, he, he see if he can go out and do it again and replicate what he was able to do with the Warriors. Yeah. See, and that's, that's a point I would make. I would rather choose a guy who knows exactly who he is yeah. and play to those strengths. than choose a guy who's still trying to figure out eight years into his NBA career, who he right. should have been. And, and then trying to make him into uh, the player that these guys already are, you know, it goes, it, it I, I felt that for a long time in the league, there are too many players who just refuse to acknowledge who they should be in the league. And they always yep. think they can be more. And sometimes by being less, you get a lot more, you get to be in the league a lot more. You get to stick around a lot longer and uh, you get to fit in on some really good teams and have a good time and play basketball for a lot longer in your life. So, um, okay, let's, let's hit on something real quick. Um, and I don't uh, make this, the business of basketball. We have yet to see Ooh. Brendan, so I'm going to say that know, maybe maybe Brendan isn't showing up today. 
Um, it's okay. Uh, Jake Fisher, um, you know, our friend Jake Fisher, uh, it, for Who some reason, Sacramento Kings cookies. For some reason, Jake Fisher hates the Sacramento Kings cookies, which is exactly where I was going with that statement. Um, it's a strange oddity. No one else in the league dislikes the Sacramento <laughs> Kings cookies. They all love them. So, maybe by the Jake's way, that's not weird. code. That's not code for something. He the 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 media cookies in the uh, in the that the, they lay out as part of the uh, their their pregame meals is. Uh, they're well known. Is, is, they are under the attack by Jake Fisher. I've never seen anyone do that before. Yeah, they are. Uh, the The standard is a chocolate chip cookie with uh, with um, sea salt on top. They they're go tasty. quick. They go quick. Uh, sometimes you'll see someone walk out with a bowl of like six of them. You're like, "Hey, bro, like, what is happening? What is That's happening? Wild. Like, why is that? That's not okay." Anyway, uh, Jake Fisher uh, wrote an article and said that, you know, of course, Sacramento Kings are in on, well, everybody's in on the Toronto Raptors and what's happening there, Pascal Siakam. And he threw out something off the cuff, uh, which I don't have it in front of me right now, but something of the point that, uh, yeah, any deal with Sacramento would, uh, Toronto would like to center around Keegan Murray. And, Duh. I think that's like, yeah, yeah, duh. No like, shit. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, Sean, does in that situation, does the phone get hung up? If you're no, 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 absolutely not. Not necessarily. I mean, if you're saying that, you know, a Keegan has to be a part of the deal, like, certainly if you're the Kings, you, you're not like, yes, let's get rid of Keegan. I don't mean it like that. You're not hanging up the phone. You're looking at what options could be available in the event these guys come available you're you're talking through it you know you can say on december 15th yeah i don't really want to trade keegan marie well they don't really want to trade Ochanobi either or pascal siakam either but they're in a position to where they might have to um and you know in order to get you know as you saw with tyrese halliburton and Domana sabonis if you're getting domas it's going to cost you I mean, you can't just get who's on my scrap heap and let me get an all-star type caliber player. Like that, that's not realistic. These are, this isn't fantasy basketball. And uh, it, a lot of times can have some, uh, some crazy things that go on, but um, certainly we've seen deals that are more laughable and then people go, wow, I didn't think he would be available or, Oh, I can think they'd get rid of him. The Kings know what their value is. They're going to know what their value is on all their players. And it's, it's, it's healthy to, to, have those conversations and if you have someone you're interested in you're gonna you're gonna do your due diligence but yeah the uh, the likelihood that that happens um is very very possible and if it, if there's a deal to be made of course toronto's gonna want keegan murray so are the kings the are the kings gonna move keegan murray in a deal like that well, i don't know i mean i think I, I mean, you don't know. Do you? I mean, do you know either? Or are we talking about Brennan? Brennan's popping in here. What's Brennan's up? At the perfect time. What's We've got like up? three minutes left in our podcast. We got like three minutes left, bro. My bad. I got to be on the radio in just a sec. Sorry, uh, I had work things going on. So, Brendan, That's I was just right. posed with the question based off of the uh, the the what I like to call the no shit report that Keegan Murray would be coveted by Toronto and for a, in any trade that involved you know a Siakam or a, an Ananobi or anything like that that he's coveted by the Raptors. Obviously, that's a no brainer. But do you do it? Do you hang up the phone? And I said, no. You talk these things through. It's December fifteenth. But ultimately, you know, 
you you wouldn't want to give up Keegan Murray, but it's probably likely it took Tyrese Halliburton to get Demonis Sabonis. These are how these things happen. And um, yeah, I think it's very likely that he would be part of a deal. I'm not saying that the Kings want that to happen, but if you want to do a deal like this and that's the asking price, you have to you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, do I do this or not? And, you know, there's a chance that makes you, I mean, it would make you have to include less picks. Like that was part of the Tyrese deal, right? Is they didn't have to include any picks. The Kings actually got, I think, one or two seconds back. And then they still have all these assets to go out and make moves. So I don't know. Keegan is a tough sell for me on two guys that are expiring. Like, obviously, you'd kind of need to have a little bit of reassurance. Yeah, that these guys want to come back. But obviously, that's iffy as well. But I don't know, man. Like Like I said last episode, I think that, like, you consider stuff with Keegan. It's I don't sure. hang up right away. Hell no. I don't think the King this like we could say what we would do in this situation. I don't think the Kings are moving Keegan Murray for a 29 year old Pascal Siakam on an expiring deal. And I, I think the phone would be hung up pretty. They still believe he's going to be an excellent player. And they also sure. know that one of them is going to want like 40 million a year moving forward. And the other one is still under team control for another two years after this year at like 9 million, 10 million. And once you make that move for Siakam, it becomes really difficult to do anything else. And it becomes really difficult to bring back Malik Monk. It really like, so you can get a guy like Siakam without giving up a guy like Kagan Murray. Yeah. You're going to probably deal with going into the luxury tax, but that's with the understanding that you have a championship caliber team and that you might be able to go deep into the playoffs and potentially win a chip here in the next two to three years um so maybe you do it in that situation but i still i think they value keegan murray way 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 more than they would even a pascal siakam or og ananobi now i think there's another tier of player that they would consider but these two aren't on that tier right so but That's it's just, just... It, like, I, I agree with you, and that definitely makes sense. Um, but in these conversations, like, it's about making the best offer of all the other teams rather than, mm-hmm. like, just a decent offer from Sacramento's perspective. I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but um, I think it's important to keep in mind that, like, you have to outbid everybody else. And most people are probably going to have a nice player asset in there that's outside of the picks. And yep. to that point, too, it's... It's, it's still very early and some teams get a little bit more desperate, but at the end of the day, like you don't have to make the move. You absolutely don't. But at the end of the day, in order to get better, it's going to cost you something and yeah. you have to, you have to really come to grips with that. So if you think the asking price, and again, you don't do any of those moves without assurances as Brendan put it guarantees that somebody's going to want to stick around or resign. So Oh yeah, and even, even those a, aren't guarantees, right? Like, right? Yeah, and it, uh, an extension and then trade is is a little difficult to pull off. Um, yeah, and I'd have to look at their contracts and see if it's even possible. Um, okay, well, we're just about out of here. Uh, <laughs> before we jet, I know Brennan just showed up. No, I'm not joking. We I got to be on the radio in like three yeah, minutes. My fault. Uh, yeah, uh, Brennan Keon Ellis greatest player of all time like where should we are can people join me with the tattoos like i'm kind of thinking going lower back under one no we were never going lower back oh i thought i thought that was yeah no no we talked about like 
I think calf or something. I don't know. We're slowly moving my calf? way up though. I don't know. You keep touching your eyebrow. Are you putting it like right here? You never know. Like maybe I was just right listening the... to Post Malone or something. I don't yeah. know. Just, just key on. Just key on and then tell us right on the <laughs> side. Like it's like a and down your cheek. It's perfect. In teardrops. There it is. There it is. Brendan with the key on tattoo. something else though. I haven't heard it. Either way, it's fun though, right, Brennan? It is. He's playing great. Um, you know, I kind of thought that honestly, eventually he would have some blunders and that Davion would work his way back into that backup point guard spot. Keon's just continued to get better. Last night was obviously the best game that he's had so far, and shots are going down. He's one of their better shooters, I genuinely think. And those are actually starting to be converted. And he just looks comfortable. He looks comfortable. He doesn't look rattled. That he, block he looks something. incredible. Bruce Bowen-esque? <laughs> no, stop. Mike Brown Mike said Brown. four times. Is, I'm not saying three, he's Bruce Bowen. <laughs> I'm not saying he's Bruce Bowen, but he is Bruce Bowen. I'm not saying it, though. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff. So, um, all right, let's hit final thoughts. What do we got? Brendan, since you just got here. This was a long-ass episode, guys. Um, I'm tired. Um, yeah. No, apologies. I was just uh, finishing some writing later today, going to the bowling event the Kings are putting on. So excited to see what that kind of looks like. Um, Keon. Yeah, yeah. I don't have, I don't have all too much really. All right. I was just looking at some there. of their wins and loss numbers to see if there's any correlations to losing to the same team four times in your nine losses, and I don't really know, man. Like, there's some positional stuff with the Clippers and Pelicans, like their size, obviously, but. They really just sucked on both ends of the floor and most of their losses. I agree. That's all I got. Sean, what do you got for us? I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss the Kingpin Classic. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite events. It's, it's it's fun to see you know the Kings out of their element a little bit and with the fans, and that's what it's all about. Uh, I'm gonna miss it this year because I'm doing a early birthday celebration. My birthday is the 20th. The Kings play on the 20th. Um, against the Celtics. So I'm going to go out and be a goon tonight and uh, have a lot of fun. So <laughs> Brendan, I'll probably uh, send you a bat signal at some point Ooh. in five locations. I'll be later today. So uh, we'll, we'll have some fun. Let me know. Let me know. Didn't even get the invite. <laughs> I'll, hey, bat signal. It goes, I don't know if it goes quite up the hill that way, but I will it's let just you know. It's a big Hurley logo in the sky. You could just tell me where to <laughs> A big S, a big Superman. I'll be. Fan. I think I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do Top Golf to start it all off. Uh-oh. So that'll be. That's kind of oh, the closest I'll get. That'll be the closest I get to James. Jeez, <laughs> right down the street. I can't swing a golf club anymore, but right down the street, 30, <laughs> 40 minutes away. Um, sweet. Okay, final thoughts from James. Uh, I don't know. Get tickets to the homestand. This should be fun. Like, get out there. Uh, boo Josh Giddy, I guess. Um, but no, this this should be a really good uh homestand. I think He's Monday night. You can, no, I'm just, no. It's very true. I think you can <laughs> probably get uh, tickets for almost free for Monday night because no one wants to see that abomination of a team. Um, but you know, maybe you get to see a, a a beam get lit, right? Yes. Um, outside, do we have? I think we're good. Uh, that's going to do it for this I episode. Uh, yeah, of the Kings Beat podcast. Uh, make sure to. Give us a thumbs up if you're still watching and you don't mind. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, go to thekingsbeat.com. Become a premium subscriber to the Kings Beat. Um, and I don't know. Make sure you're following all of Brendan's work. Go to Twitter. Uh, go to x.com to see all of the things that uh, he is writing and doing. 
um, wherever he's doing them. And uh, make sure to go to Fox 40 and follow all of Sean's work, who's been doing great work. That was Gus Armstead you were sitting with last night, right? I was, yeah, I was catching up with Pretty Gus. Uh, it was, it was fun. He he used to train Mike Wilkes when he was an NBA player, and Mike Wilkes is one of their assistant coaches. So uh, uh, he always comes in to see Mike. Mike's like a like a family member. Um, Eric and uh, Armand and the rest of the family they they consider him a brother and a son. So okay. it's yeah, yeah. Next time I, I need introduction. I have met Gus formally. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All Gus right, Sean great. knows everybody. Everybody knows Sean Cunningham. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast for Box 40, Sean Cunningham, and Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse Podcast. I am James Ham, King's Saturday for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.